Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Yeah, like watching the, the Man United game last night and just having messages coming from Man United fans on my WhatsApp complaining about Luke Shaw raking his foot down somebody's shin and saying it should never have been a free kick. Like, you know, this is the type of shit you get people talking whenever you're trying to watch a football match with them. People can't be trusted to have the correct opinion, so I just avoid them. Hi guys, Jack Greenish here. Uh, delighted to say that I've signed a new deal with Aston Villa. Here we are. The 20th episode of the Villa Podcast, Liam, did you think you would ever make it this far? I knew I would, but I had my doubts whether or not you would. I had my doubts as well, Colin, but I'm, I'm glad to be here. <laughs> got a text off you. We're not going to do WhatsApp wins today. We got a text off you earlier saying, how many episodes is this now? I counted it up. It's like, this is the 20th. And the only reply I got was, fucking hell. <laughs> like, is, that, is that a good thing or a bad thing? Ah, it's, it's what it is. 20 episodes. Let's get it fucking over with. And, and you know what? We got through 20 episodes about somebody saying it is what it is until you just ruined it there. Um, so, don't really have a name for this yet. I might do before we before we push publish. Um, just the idea. There, there's no idea. Look, there's no game on Village, which we play Everton tonight. And COVID has riddled the team. So, we're just filling in time here. But also responding to a call from our lovely loyal fans who have all asked for more episodes, but as keen as I was to give it to you, I just had no fucking idea what the hell we would talk about. So put the call out a few times. You would have heard me pleading at the end of some episodes. Um, thankfully, you started listening and sending an email to the Villa podcast at gmail.com. Honestly, get in touch. Even if you don't want it uh, read out, I'd be happy to hear from you. So I think just going to dive straight into it, Liam. If you're happy enough with that. Go for it. Um, just get the fuck on with it, says you. <laughs> <laughs> so the first email, right, is actually one of the loveliest things I've ever I've ever gotten or received. And uh, you, you're playing a bit of a 
a bit of a role in this as well. So it's coming the whole way from Norway. Uh, a guy called Paul. So it's it's Paul as he as he says at the end of the email. It's the fancy pants Norwegian version of Paul. So it's spelt P A A L. But I did go to the bother of going to howtopronounce.com to figure out how this is pronounced in Norwegian. And it's basically Paul, but obviously somebody from Norway is saying it. So it's Paul, it sounds better. But I think probably for the purposes of avoiding being insulting to a whole country, I'll just say Paul. Um, And I hope that's okay with you. It actually reminded me of um, thinking about Norwegian and Aston Villa and the worst attempts. Now, I've never been amazing with women, but the worst attempt I ever had at chatting up a girl was standing outside, I was in college, standing outside this bar or whatever it was. She looked good. You know, what's crook? And uh, whatever the accent was, it was obviously different. So I was like, oh, where are you from? She said Norway. And the first thing I said was, oh, John Carew. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been... That would have been awkward enough even if she was a football fan. <laughs> There's no guarantee she was going to know who John Crew was. Yeah, and even if she did, like, who cares? <laughs> you know, like her saying to me, like, not even Robbie Keane, like her saying to me, uh, Damien Duff. Yeah. yeah. Although, like, you know, let's, let's be honest, if she was on the other foot, I would have went for But, um, yeah, let's talk about Damien Duff. But um, she had no idea who he was talking about. I was like, oh, you know, brilliant footballer. And that was it. Like, you know, yeah. she didn't say anything else. I didn't say anything. It was one of those ones where you just like cut your losses. Like there's no point in even trying to regain this. I heard it all back in my head. I realized how sad it sounded. Uh, I was really good. Hoping that was gonna end with you saying, and we're getting married next week. <laughs> Tell you what, it would have worked in a lap dancing club, what? And <laughs> uh, old John Carew joke for all you villa fans out there. Um Shanry. I get great uh, email subject as well. More podcast episodes, please. <laughs> I don't think Liam's going to appreciate that, Paul. Uh, hi, guys. Norwegian Villa fan here responding to your Twitter call for emails. I just want to say that I absolutely love the podcast. I've been supporting Villa since around 1980. The last decade pre-Smith has been so infuriating in many ways. Watching the club doing silly stuff and players being rubbish. This is why... I always, even now, when we are looking pretty good, <laughs> you're going to think this is me. Um, I'm anxious and scared of bad performances and the club imploding. <laughs> Paul's my type of fella. Uh, so much to stick that I am in a heart attack mode every game and a bad performance ruins my weekend, which is not popular with the wife and kids. Uh, all these emotions I feel are echoed in the podcast. I can hear my own joy and frustration in you, and I love that the show is usually straight after games. Putting us under a bit of pressure there, Paul, I'm not going to lie, uh, but we will keep that up um, when my need for a fix is strongest. I also like that you mix the raw game. Just, I'm just sort of reading out great things about yourself now. Um, raw game reaction with knowledge and analysis, and your accents are just the icing on the cake, which, to be honest... Um, that really made my day because I'm always worried that people can't understand us. I, I I think people could understand you a lot more clearly than me, but you think differently. Yeah. Um. I, yeah. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't think it's. I don't think there's much in it. I think we're both equally incomprehensible. <laughs> well, he's asked where. What part of Ireland we're from? We're from Derry, up in the north. Uh, technically Northern Ireland, but we're still Irish citizens, and we, we, that's for another podcast. Um. 
I always oh sorry so it gets into that anyway so um <laughs> I I feel like me and Paul are soulmates here. I always worry that we are going to fail and get relegated. <laughs> At what point do you stop worrying about relegation? The forty point mark, or only when we are mathematically safe? Thank you ever so much. Um, because on to say that our podcast is now the first that he looks out for after every game. Up the villa, all the best for twenty twenty one. Thanks, Emilian Paul. Um, this is going to surprise you, Liam. I'm going to come straight in and answer that. I think we can stop worrying about relegation. <laughs> it's starting to look a lot better than that. Even my um, my insistent a prediction of us finishing between ninth and fourteenth is is now looking is now looking that it's at risk of being wrong. I mean, we should be we should be definitely be aiming a lot higher than that, particularly given the renewed interest in Jack Grealish. Everybody at the club has to target keeping him, and that means target finishing a lot higher than ninth. You finally come around to me way of thinking. Like, I know I was I, I was a wreck at the start of the season because I was A, worried about relegation and B, wanting to come into the top four. So like, that's just a terrible concoction. <laughs> and it was because of that, it was like, yeah, we need we need to push on there. Like, for everyone to keep Jack Greenish, this is a year. Like, it's amazing that we have him this year. It's it's mm. unbelievable. Um, And yeah, like, and again, yeah, I don't know, like a Barkley and stuff like that. Yeah, like this, genuinely, this could be a really era defining moment for Aston Villa now it's, it, it will still go well they're in great hands ownership wise the structures are amazing the manager's amazing there's a great sort of base there now of player even if you compare it to, to last year and compare it to the year before last year like look at the base we're now working with it's it's infinitely better but um you could just accelerate everything by getting top six this season maybe keeping Jack Grealish again for another season you know um you just go on to a different trajectory then yeah, to be honest, I don't really trust much that comes out of your mouth anymore because I think after we signed Wesley <laughs> last year, you were you were texting me saying Champions League pushes on. <laughs> but anyway, thanks for that, Paul. Um, this one's from Connor, short and sweet. Who would you like to sign in this window? <laughs> thanks for that, Connor. It's a good question. Um, do you want to go first, Liam? Uh yeah, if we if we ignore the difficulties with signing players in January and any financial fair play implications if Villa go big again this month like they did in the summer, Villa's squad it, it needs fleshing out. We, we were worried about it before the season began, and we've we've seen that Dean Smith is still worried about it because he clearly doesn't really trust the squad either. So, as I've said ad nauseum, Villa need a left back. For obvious reasons. Mm. I, I, do you think I'm deluded in thinking that Villa could just go and get Gossens from, from Atalanta or Tagliafico <laughs> from, from Ajax? <laughs> Would you take yeah. Zinchenko or one of Chelsea's nut jobs that have been cast off after they signed Chilwell? I think you have to go bigger than those three. I, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm looking at Gossens. So I was there, right? So I went into transfermarket.co.uk <laughs> did my little football manager style search left back 23 23 to 30 pace um, 20 <laughs> yeah. oh, attitude was always a big one like a player was five times better if his attitude was 17 or up you know no matter how shit they were um that was a little loop around the football manager but 
Um, and I, yeah, I saw Gosling's, and I was like, again, I always had the same question: like, am I being deluded just thinking you can take one loose? Because maybe not. Like, again, the Premier League has an appeal. Villa obviously have an appeal. Um, but I was sort of aiming my sights a little lower and thinking about the Douglas Luiz factor from Brazil, and I was going for Rogério. So I hadn't heard of him. I'm not going to lie, but he's is the constant left back for Sassuolo, who are having an amazing season in Serie A, and um. He's 23 today. He's from Brazil. Playing for, he was playing for Brazil in their 20s the whole way up in Brazil. And um, but like this is stupid because I have no idea what he's like. Yeah, like you're, you're still like you went all the transfer market that UK and then did actually just play football manager. <laughs> yeah. Well, put it this way, and I'm not in charge, so it's fine. If I was running this exact team in these exact circumstances on football manager, I would be taking a punt on Rogério. Right. <laughs> Well, that's that answer then. The, 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 the Sinchenko thing, it's surely his wages are just not worth it. Like, he'd be mm-hmm. coming in over 100 grand a week. It's just yeah. pointless. I, I even thought about Danny Rose. <laughs> like, Danny Rose is one of those players that every time I've seen him, he's been good. So yeah. I assume he's absolutely shit whenever I'm not watching him because, you know, he, he struggles and people don't like him and fans, clubs hate him. And yeah, I'm not sure about Danny Rose. Do you know what I like about Danny Rose? He's thirty and he's already on loan at Newcastle, but surely you could just convince Spurs, like you know, just send him on loan here is better. Um, <laughs> and it's even just for a stopgap, you know, for a season or a season and a half. I like, but to be um, honest, if Mourinho's looking at which manager suits his style of play, he's going to leave him up at Steve Bruce's Newcastle. <laughs> That's fair enough. Um, but like, I I heard Rose in a podcast recently talking about. Uh, talking about making the Euros, and he was happy that the Euros were pushed back to twenty twenty one, and he still believes that he's uh England's best left back and stuff. And I, well, there you go, that's attitude above seventeen. <laughs> but it is it does sound a bit bonkers, but I just I, I like that somebody's thinking that big, you know, because you have to, like, you might you might not be as good as you think you are, and you might not make it to where you want to make it, but you do you have to start putting in the the action to get there and you know like the the byproduct of that might not be the euros but it might be a good left back and the question is always an upgrade on that target and i, I think it would be but he's 30 and like yeah you're probably not going to get him on loan this season and he's not worth buying next season and I, this goes on top of like i think barkley should also just be the just just get him done in january if you can because that, that's just you you said the last day there's a good bit on Barkley if nobody's listened to it in the last podcast after the Liverpool FA Cup match and uh, it just it just shows a Villa series yeah and I think it immediately just it just shifts the consciousness of everybody even in the changing rooms and at the club and Jack Grealish included you know now you've, you've signed somebody like Barkley a 27 year old England player you know, it's easier for Greenish to stay. It's easier to get a bigger player, even if Greenish goes. That's offset because you signed a big player already. You know, so you're more attractive. It's just it just makes sense all over. So that can be done. Get it done. I, but then I, I thought of um, and this isn't an option anymore. But the Calvin Phillips thing was interesting last summer, wasn't it? Like, you know, before Leeds came up. Yeah. How would that would have How would that would have worked? I yeah I I don't think Calvin Phillips works for Villa. I don't think he works at all. He's just. It's just a version of Dougie, and you know, I, I'm sure Leeds fans would disagree, but I don't think he's as good as him. Yeah, um, I think Dougie's got more to his game. Um, but yeah, no, it's like it's 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 far too far too similar a player, and both of a similar ability that I don't think it can possibly work. 
But speaking about that, like you know, Villa do definitely need midfielders. That's the next spot you'd go for after after yeah. left back. Like the midfield at the minute, there's there's no rotation possible. I mean, you look at our bench and you're turn around, you've got Nakamba, Hurahan, and fucking Henry Lansbury there. You know, that's <laughs> that's not ideal. Um surely Donny van de Beek is available. <laughs> Am I, am I going too big again? Because if I am, you're not going to like the next one. <laughs> like, because go on. Just you know, along your agent Dougie role, like you know, could could Douglas Louise convince Arthur Mello to come from Juventus? <laughs> you see, at least I was thinking like Rogerio has come from Juventus to Sassuolo, and now Villa can pick him up there. You're wanting to go straight to the source and get him there. He's 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 already left Barcelona and it hasn't worked out for him. He's not starting for Juventus, and Juventus have had a lot of midfielders. He's not as good as Bentancur. He's not he's not going to get in ahead of him, and they play a very similar role. I I just like it's, Villa are in a tricky situation now where you have to try to replace players in your first eleven if you actually yeah. want to improve. It's really difficult to replace John McGinn. Like that's got that's going to cost big money, and it's. Unless you've got amazing scouts, which Philip, you know, do, then I don't. It's going to be really difficult to to improve the midfield, but they do need to sign midfielders. It's actually a really good point. Like we we've talked about this loads, not in this podcast, but um, just the idea. Remember, like Liverpool through the noughties, their their biggest weaknesses on the Villa should think of what you're saying. It's 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 difficult to replace McGinn, but. That, that's what you have to do, you know, not not getting him again. Like he's, he doesn't need replaced, you know, yeah. instantly. But um, you need to just sign players who are going to put these boys under pressure. Like you know, Barkley. Like, <laughs> there's a perfect example, and this shows you how quickly then your mindset changes. Like we after the Fulham game, Villa had won two in a row. Harahan had scored and set up a goal, and it's like, where does Barkley go? And, you know, we're all still excited, but like he had a team that was grand, and like another person. In another season, you know, might have just thought, right, now we just need a couple of backup options better than El yeah, Gasly yeah. or whatever you would have been thinking at the time. But no, we just buy Barkley. Hurrahan loses out. And it's real tough for him. But the team is instantly better. And that, like, the Liverpool point is throughout the noughties, he just kept buying squad players. And everybody was on board with that because they needed a better squad. But like the way to get a better squad is to improve your first team. And then the players will be knocked out, survival of the fittest. Exactly, absolutely. I could I couldn't agree more with that. And even even speaking about that, I would say that Villa need another wide player, and yeah. preferably one that can rotate across the three positions. Because I think if we're assuming Barkley starts, then all three contenders for that right wing position can be improved on. They're all fairly streaky, and I would just love to be in a position where there are squad players where Traore, Trezeguet, and El Ghazi are all fighting for. To be first sub, yeah. And does David Brooks give you that? I know, I know, I've come back down now. You know, yeah. I've been reassured by a Welsh friend that he is not Daniel James anyway. So, <laughs> but to be honest, that's that's the bare minimum to not be Daniel James. <laughs> it's a low bar. Yeah, and then I was thinking then just the, along the other mental ideas, but like you know, don't forget we we took Ross Barkley from Chelsea. Is Delhi Alley worth the hassle? Hmm. I I'm going to say yes, just for 
how talented he is. Like he's he's exceptionally talented, and I think he would really enjoy himself at Villa. He would be the big man. He might like look. He might not be putting in the most effort in the world, but like he, he obviously hadn't been doing that anyway. You know, so he was doing enough to be at that level, mm. and it was it was great for a long time for Spurs. Mourinho doesn't like it, grand, but I think it would work at Villa. It'd be expensive. But like, and again, just talking about Grealish, Sparkly, all these boys are going to fucking love that. And again, it's going to improve the team. Yeah. So I have Goosens from Atalanta, Van de Beek from Man United, Melo from Juventus, <laughs> and Deli Alley from Spurs. Who are you after, pal? <laughs> I was just going to ask you, what do you think of Michael Olissi? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've I've gone I've gone way above that now. <laughs> no, to yeah. be honest, I've only I've only seen clips of him, obviously. Because he plays for Reading, um, mm. he looks he looks really tasty, and he looks like exactly the type of player that you would like to be under Dean Smith's tutelage. He looks insanely talented, um, but again, that is just from from clips, which isn't the best way to gauge a player. Yeah, I, I saw. I need to get off social media, like or no, I don't need to get off it. I just need to stop worrying about what people say. Um, you know, just. Villa were linked with him, and in fairness to you, they were linked with him about twelve hours after you texted me about him. Yeah, you know, unrelated. Yeah, and um, so somebody had said, "Oh, more championship players, great." And I was like, "Oh my god, like, wake up!" You know, yeah. Ollie Watkins, Matty Cash, John McGinn was a championship player. Technically, came through there. Villa came from Scotland to the championship. Like, just judge a player for yourself. Don't decide where he's at. And then say like you know don't see where he's at, and then decide that that pigeonholes him. There's yeah. a lot of class players lying around. Yeah, we've had this problem before as well. It's not exactly the same, but it's similar with um, Ireland fans who just to laugh at the idea that we needed to be playing Wes Hulahan yeah. because he couldn't get in the Norwich team and they were yeah. only in the Championship. It's like that's a re- you've seen Wes Hulahan play for Ireland. You know he's our best player. Uh, or you have to. Uh, if you don't, football's not the game for you. Yeah, but Alex Neal isn't playing him. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, next email, this one's from Stephen. Actually, no, this was a message on Instagram. Get us on Instagram, the Villa Podcast Show. <laughs> um, who manages Trezeguet's diet whilst he's injured? <laughs> <laughs> okay. <then. laughs> I'll let you take this one. You're the one that has a an unhealthy obsession with Trezeguet's unhealthy eating habits. I mentioned it once, but turned it into a sting in fairness, so it's, it's probably propped up on the shoe a lot, and it's obviously in Steve's head. Uh, the point was, I said that Trezeguet has lost his belly. I thought Trezeguet had a bit of a belly last year. He still looked really fit. You see a lot of fit boys carrying a bit of timber around the tire area, but um, I thought he just looked a bit more streamlined. <laughs> but um, Who manages his diet while he's injured? Like, well, like John Terry's not doing anything, so... He might as well. Oh, you're trying to give John Terry a job now on the assumption yeah. that he doesn't have one? Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know. Look after Trezeguet's diet. <laughs> Just get off uh, the training pitch. Yeah. This one's from Scotty. I don't know if that's a real name. Is there? Do you know anybody called Scotty? <laughs> yes. Oh, do you? Do you think someone's made up a name? <laughs> Scotty? I just thought, like, you know... I, I, I love the name Scott, but I actually don't know anybody called Scott. I, 
my nickname in school was Scone. So in Derry, it's Scone. In Dublin, it's Scone. Um, couldn't be called that in Dublin. That would be ridiculous. So it's Scone uh, back home. And I remember an old PE teacher you know, playing basketball. It was his first first class. He just knew to the school. And uh, you know, people, he probably heard people going, Scone, Scone, Scone. And he thought I was called Scott. And he called me Scott for that whole session, and I loved it. I didn't correct him. <laughs> and obviously, he thought I was a fucking loser then when he was looking at the roll call the next day or whatever. But I remember being so disappointed that I wasn't called Scott. Um, so I'm not shitting on the name. I just, Scotty, I just don't know anybody called Scotty. It's the classic nickname, isn't it? Just add a Y at the end, even if it makes the name longer. <laughs> um, hi, guys. Love the show. And love how you aren't afraid to call it like it is. Like, um, like yeah. calling people out for having fake names. <laughs> um yeah more people seem to listen to the show as well when villa don't win which is very interesting um i think we're, we're carving a niche out for ourselves as the next arsenal fan tv uh everyone knows every changing room has a hierarchy so what do you think the food chain is in the villas oh yeah i love this one or do you think there's politics in there or people who don't speak keep up the good work cheers scotty um so yeah, I immediately think like there's obviously going to be different camps and stuff, right? But at the top of the food chain, you have Grealish, Mings, McGinn, and Barkley. And you can jump in here and disagree with me along the way, but like Grealish is obviously there because he's the, he's the alpha. Mings is there because he's the best looking. John nice. McGinn is there because he's the Joker, so he's the little annoying one. Like you think of Greece or whatever, you know, he's not as not as aesthetically dominant <laughs> or pleasing as the other ones, but um. But he's there. He's gonna he's gonna stir it up a little bit, and they'll laugh. They'll get a good kick out of him. And um, Barkley's there because everyone's afraid of him, and they just don't know exactly what he's going to do or what he's what, what he's thinking. Um, and he's probably just a he's cooler as well. He's come from out of town, and uh, yeah, he just has that sort of reputation. I think that's the top of the changing room anyway. What do you think? So, do you remember whenever we brought our nephew to Dublin Zoo? <laughs> Go on. Do you remember the gorilla enclosure? Yeah. So, so if anyone anyone's been to Dublin Zoo and they were still awake by the time they got to the gorillas, they'll know that they are, or were anyway, on an island surrounded by a moat and sitting right in the middle of that island. Oh, yeah. On a silverback. Was Harry the gorilla. Yeah. And for what seemed like eight hours, our nephew wanted to watch the gorillas. It was probably closer to five minutes. There was just an endless <laughs> procession of gorillas wandering up to and paying homage to Harry the Gorilla. <laughs> Jack Grealish is Harry the Gorilla. <laughs> uh, and if we're going to take this analogy to breaking point, I would have to say Matt Target's probably just a flea on his arse. <laughs> but, but, but seriously, during D- Dean and Jack's promotion charge and in uh, 2019 one of the reasons I really wanted to see one of the many reasons I really wanted to see Villa go up was because I loved the core of the team I, I, I didn't really didn't want to see it being torn apart there mm. just seemed to be a great bunch of lads at the club and a great manager and I would say the crack no matter where you're sitting is just brilliant I'd say, like, it just seems like they're a great bunch of genuinely nice lads so actually that's a good point right this is why so, so, so the next group, right, are just people who are, they're just comfortable in their own skin, right? That's, they don't actually care that they're not the top dogs, but they're, they're obviously above the runt of the litter. And it's, I've got four. It's Kanza, Harahan, Watkins, and Cash. And I think 
that's the group that John Terry is latching onto. <laughs> so I think he's sitting down in between them and all. Like he's tr- he's tr- he tries he one with like the the silverbacks and that, and they they accept him because he's got a good rep. But like he's done with like he's sort of the brunt of the joke now a little bit, and he he feels more at home with with this group, Kanza, Harahim, Watkins, and Cash. Right, they're too nice to tell him to piss off. No, I'd say. I'd say it's almost like a level. Like he, he still, he still has enough clout that he can fit in there. And they're also just like, yeah, they're they're too cool to care about who they're sitting with. Mm. Do you know, like obviously, Matt Target wouldn't be sitting with him, but that's just more because of his own ego. Like these boys are completely, they're completely comfortable. Like that's that's four. Like they're all good looking as well. Actually, you know, they're all good. They all have a real identity of what they are. You know, Target can't be sitting with these boys. Like, the, so, the run of the litter, I have I have three names. Right? You'll be surprised at one of them. Target, Lansbury, obviously, and Bertrand Trory. Interesting. Go on, explain the Bertrand Trory. Why has he ended up with these two? <laughs> I just think he's a bit of a... No, I'm going on absolutely nothing here. Let's qualify that. I, just, I think he's a bit of a loner. I think he just... um, And again... He's almost cool in the sense that like he doesn't care to sit with Target. It doesn't matter to him. Mm. But like the the same reason Lansbury is there because Target will accept him. Uh, Trorori is just he's just happy to be able to come in with his head down and sit beside somebody. And yeah. Target's happy to somebody else sit beside him. I can definitely go along with uh, Bertrand Trorori not caring because yeah he doesn't care on the pitch anyway where anybody else is or what they're doing where they're moving to. <laughs> He just gets on with his own thing and improvises and forces other people to do whatever he wants to do. So I can go along with that, but okay. I'll, I'll accept it. Is El Ghazi closer to Target's group or Grealish's group? In his head or in everybody else's head? <laughs> I think he's definitely, like both, I think he's definitely closer to Grealish's group. Yeah. Ah, yeah. After the last month, anyway, he has yeah. to be. They'll be taking him under his wing. Uh, why did he start supporting Villa? Mine was um ninety three League Cup final. Sorry, ninety three, ninety four season. Everybody supported United from where I was from and Villa beat them in the League Cup final. And yeah, Villa Villa beat United and like Daley and Atkinson. Amazing. Amazing day, yeah. And ever since then I just started supporting Villa, mostly probably to annoy people, I didn't really understand too much about it. But then they won the the League Cup two years later and I thought, Jesus Christ, this is gonna be fucking good. This is gonna be fun. <laughs> <laughs> glory, glory hunting back then, and then thirteen years later, I'm celebrating Nigel Rio Coker lifting the Peace Cup in a preseason. <laughs> <laughs> Genuinely, like you know, delighted about that. And you know what? I actually wrote this story into uh, into Talk Sport back in the day, and Ian Wright laughed his head off, and he said, "That is too funny, man. That's too funny. I wish I, I, wish I could find it. I I listened to the whole three hour show and just to hear they would read out my email. So hopefully." Hopefully people having their questions read out is the same thing as me back then. Yeah, that's when you peaked as a journalist, having your question read out and talk for it. What was you? Well, seeing as we as an Irish people have no association with the, the areas or the cities the clubs are based, most Irish people, most Irish people who do follow a Premier League club, and most do, pick a team based on an older family member. But it was slightly different for me obviously our dad had no interest in football so mm. i picked a team 
guided by someone that, although we're not related to, he played a huge part in my early childhood and definitely in my emotional development. Paul McGrath. Wow. <laughs> just Paul McGrath was Ireland's was Ireland's icon. He was Ireland's best player, and it was just it just seemed like a natural fit just to follow him to were to to Aston Villa. Um, he had transferred to to Villa not that long before I was you know <laughs> I was required to pick a football team. <laughs> so I picked Aston Villa, and much like yourself, it's been a roller coaster. There is a god of football. His name is Paul McGrath. Um, there's actually a great. No, what sums up Paul McGrath's influence in Ireland and well, his standing, I suppose, is um, that documentary. That's the great thing I'm talking about. The Jack Charlton one, mm. finding Jack Charlton. And now this is a documentary of an Irish legend. Like Jack Charlton changed a lot for Ireland. Like you know, even just culturally, like it was a terrible time, and then he came along at the right time and just lifted the nation. Um, got everybody interested in football and gave us our, our biggest successes. Um, at the time, they never qualified for major tournaments. Um, so this this whole documentary is about him, who's just passed away, and it's a fascinating documentary about dementia as well. So it was actually quite sad as well watching some of it. And Paul McGrath just eats up a lot of that documentary, and there's no part of it where you're thinking, "All right, mate, get off the fucking screen." <laughs> you know, it's like Brandon O'Carroll is in the same documentary, uh, <laughs> Mrs. Brown's boys <laughs> writer and actor, and you're just like, right, you know, he's only on it for a little bit, but you're just like, right, get the fuck. You know, I think it's for 90s stars or whatever. Um, get back to the 90s with you, Brendan. <laughs> but, but Paul McGrath was just like, yeah, just keep talking. Like, you know, and just some of the stuff that like, Jack Churton did for him as well. Everybody just, oh, everybody just reveres Paul McGrath. Um, well, beyond Ireland as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one's from Qatar Lions. Oh, reasons, <laughs> reason for the song choice at the beginning of the pod. That's a very yeah. good fucking question. <laughs> It was a bit of a trigger when I read it. I was like, "Hey, what's?" I don't think they were suggesting anything. I am. But, uh, I am going to assume they're suggesting something. <laughs> I was. Um, yeah, it's just a song that I really like. <laughs> it's from. It's from uh, Blind Pilot, a band called Blind Pilot. The Leeds podcast thought it was uh, the script, and that definitely got me back up. I was uh, feeling a bit bit sensitive about it then. And it's called Half Moon, and. Um, yeah, it's it's a really nice song. It's like it's about this, you know, leaving behind the shit and moving on and never losing that adventure spirit, but oh. also but also finding sort of happiness where you are. So it's, it's, it's sorry, go on. It's just Villa getting promoted and not losing Jack Grealish, the adventurous spirit, <laughs> and staying in the Premier League, being happy where we are. See, That's I just exactly. tended to start to drift off whenever it starts playing, so I've never actually heard the lyrics. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's just a song that i've always loved it's a good it's a good morning song and i always love the idea of having a podcast that's fresh it sounds fresh to people you know when they hear it it's a it reminds them of the morning like i love i love a fresh morning you know like i'm not that talking about when you're getting up and you're rushing to work or whatever you're getting up and you have time regardless of whether or not you have work you just have time you have time yourself you can look out you can you can smell the wind <laughs> just you just appreciate life in those little moments before it all just comes crumbling down to shit around you. Um, and that song just captures it, and I just wanted to spread that that bit of joy that I get to other people. Beautiful. Well, What's the next question? <laughs> Do you prefer to watch the game alone or with mates? Uh, why the fuck would you want to 
have someone else in the room with you when you're watching a football match? <laughs> How's work going? What? <laughs> watching the match, mate. Matt Target has the ball at his feet. Literally anything could happen. Yeah. And you think this is a good time to try to grab my attention with a question that I wouldn't even find interesting during a week? People will literally start a conversation about anything, regardless of what is happening in the world around them. They just have an insatiable appetite for human connection, it seems. Whenever there's football on, I'm as full as an egg, to be honest. Like, I've had to stop watching games with my mates, to be honest, and it's not because I don't like them, it's because I want to keep liking them. Yeah. And, and what, the football... So, because there's two elements to it, right? You're right, like, you know, that sort of distraction, somebody just feeling like they have to talk about something, or... This is now catch-up time. It's like when, when, when I said, let's watch the game, when I never would say that to somebody. <laughs> it wasn't like, you know, we'll talk now while the game's on in the background. It's like, shut the fuck up, we'll watch the match. Yeah. Um, but then there's also that element. The reason why I don't like watching a game in a pub, as well as it's just not as... You just can't concentrate on it as much. I like I liked the whole experience. I like to hear what the commentator's saying. I like to be plugged into social media sometimes, you know, when, when you got a bit of time. That's why I miss the water bricks. And... Um, I like the analysis, and I just like to be able to focus on it without it being taken away. But also, there's just so much shit talk. Like, you know, if you're in a pub and you can get that with your mates as well, who just, they've seen something wrong, or they're... I'd say, to be honest, I'm terrible company as well. They're, they're too knee-jerk. Like, you know, so you sort of need that bit of space for yourself just to not have anybody else influence you. Yeah, like, watching the, the Man United game last night and just having messages coming from... Man United fans on my WhatsApp complaining about Luke Shaw raking his foot down somebody's shin and saying it should never have been a free kick. Like, you know, this is the type of shit you get people talking whenever you're trying to watch a football match with them. People can't be trusted to have the correct opinion, so I just avoid them. <laughs> is that a rule for life or just football? I, I'm starting to expand it more and more, I find, in my day-to-day life. Yeah, you're going to bring it into the testing phase for general life <laughs> um, favourite player past and present this is the last one um, I'm going to straight in and I don't know if this is popular anymore but like I I adored Gareth Barry I used to have this habit of on all my school bags I used to just get a Tipex pen and just splur Barry you know, like in the sort of like the way it was like a kit that would go around sort of in a semicircle, not a full mm-hmm. semicircle, and just six underneath it at the back of the school bag, you know, so it looked like I was wearing a Barry jersey around school. Mm-hmm. And probably people thought it was called Barry and thought it was a loser. Probably just a <laughs> six year old called Barry, yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, like I, I just adored him. Like, and I, like just to play in every position, he was just an ultimate pro. We talked about before. For, go back to the transfer question about how amazing it would be to drop a Gareth Barry or a Martin Larson, Melberg even, just into that team now the way it is, just a few ultimate pros and real leaders. Like and and Shabari like proves it when he went on. He just you know he's he's proved what a touch of class he was as a footballer and just as a as a wise head as well. And I feel like he was always a wise head way beyond his years of Villa. Centre back, left back, left midfield. Centre midfield, like I loved him at left midfield, and he he didn't have an ounce of pace on him. Like that's how good he was, and then he moved into centre midfield, and he was even better. And I still remember, I still remember opening. Like we used to get, remember the two papers we used to get back home. Um, I mean, my used to buy them the the Daily Mirror, and then on the Sunday it was the News of the World, 
And I still remember opening one Sunday, and it was that big interview you'd done about wanting to leave Villa, and like my heart sank, like I couldn't get over it. It was, it was actually posing. Like they obviously sent a photographer out and stuff, and I couldn't believe that this happened because you're not. There was no social media back then and stuff, so you're not really following the day to day. You just get stuff on teletext, and then suddenly <laughs> he's there doing a big interview about like you know wanting to leave, and um, yeah, it was just it was bizarre. And then when he went to Man City. I was so like got it. Like, you know, like I remember like having like these such cogent thoughts about like you know this short term terrible disgusting project that's never gonna like you know see beyond twenty twelve or whatever I thought it was at the time. And uh, mm. obviously he went and he, he won an FA Cup and he won the Premier League and he he obviously probably made the right decision for him because he, he won some medals and got a lot more money, but and Man City haven't gone away like I thought they would. <laughs> I, saw, I just thought uh, these sheiks would come in and just lose interest after a few years and leave them in a terrible position. But yeah, that still cuts me deep. But I still have the same fond memories because he was there that long, you know. Mm. I think for me, past or present, Jack Grealish is undoubtedly the answer to both. Yeah. Um, you know when someone says something trite or banal, like what is it with... What is it with football? It's just a bunch of men running around after a piece of leather. Like yeah. They've obviously never taken the time to watch Jack Grealish play. They've never, they've never been kind enough to themselves to sit down and watch Jack Grealish glide across the football pitch or do things with a football. That would make me pull muscles I didn't even know I had. Like Seeing passes while running at full speed, being kicked by a 13-stone centre half of 45,000 fans screaming at him, <laughs> telling him he's a cunt. Passes that I can't even see when I'm lying on my sofa with a bird's eye ultra HD view of the pitch. <laughs> I mean, like, you could give all our answers to that question, but, you know, the fact that hundreds of millions of other people care so much is a reason in and of itself that makes football so interesting. Tribal passion, the fact that there's 40,000 people spontaneously start singing about some young fella running around on the ground below them that they just love, even though they've never met him. <laughs> the fact that you, if, you, if you play football... Whenever you're watching the Premier League, you're watching the elite do things that you can only dream of with yeah. such ease that it's if it wasn't so gratifying and awe-inspiring, it would be heartbreaking at your own ability. Even like how far football's evolved in our lifetime, like the tactical war between managers, how players implement that, the passion and work rate, pressure, like watching someone miss a penalty. Penalties are unmissable for a professional footballer. Yeah, yeah. They're so easy, but they miss them. All the time, like you could say, you could say any of that as a reason for why we love football. But I think Jack Grealish is a sufficient answer. That's amazing, and and I was just going to add to that, and I don't really feel like we need to add anything to it because it's perfect. But the the lack of patience to some people, obviously they're not football fans really, but you know, to say there's nothing happening, it's a boring match and stuff. Like that's what makes football so interesting as well, because it's hard. It's hard to do something. Yeah. You know, like, and that's why you watch it with tender hooks because they have to try to do something to get through, or somebody mm-hmm. has to make a mistake again. It sort of falls into the other aspect of it that you're talking about, and somebody has to do something amazing to create an imbalance, and you have to do it with your feet <laughs> to be able to control the ball with your feet and take somebody out of the game who knows that you're trying to take them out of the game. And yeah, that sort of sums up Jack Reedus perfectly that he can do that every time he has the ball at his feet. Yeah. And on that note, we'll play you out with Blind Pilot's (laughs) epic song. (laughs) 
half moon. Enjoy football. Enjoy Jack Grealish. And hopefully you enjoyed this podcast. Let us know if you did. And we will see you on Sunday. Big one against Everton. See you then. That wind is calling my name. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.